where are all the men? You say, they're on the sports team or they're at the bars trying to pick up girls. No, they're out making money and conquering in the business world. But are these real men in God's sight? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkes-Barre and the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or to pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as the disciple of Christ, then stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded, and you're going to find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance, spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure if you visit any of those sites to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You will find us in person every Sunday at noon in the Wilkes-Barre Public Square. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com. Give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. Today, we're going to be looking in a section of scripture here. It is in 2 Samuel chapter 10, verses 1 through 19. And I'm just going to read that. That's the whole chapter, by the way. And there's going to be one verse that I want to pull out that really glues all this together. And it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanan his son reigned in his stead. Then said David, I will shew kindness unto Hanan the son of Nahash, as his father shewed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon, and the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanan their lord, Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father, that he hath sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it? Wherefore Hanan took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. Now when they told it unto David, he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown and then return. And when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David, the children of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Bethrahab and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 footmen, and of King Maacah, a thousand men, and of Ishtab, 12,000 men. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men. And the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array at the entering in of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah and Rehob and Ishtab and Maacah were by themselves in the field. When Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him before and behind, he chose of all the choice men of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he delivered and he delivered into the hand of Abishai, his brother, excuse me, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, if the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Be of good courage and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. 
and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. And Joab drew nigh, and the people that were with him unto the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled, then fled they also before Abishai and entered into the city. So Joab returned from the children of Ammon and, and came to Jerusalem. And when the Syrians saw that they were smitten before Israel, they gathered themselves together and Hadarezar sent and brought out the Syrians that were beyond the river. And they came to Helam and Shobach, the captain of the host of Hadarezar, went before them. And when it was told David, he gathered all Israel together and passed over Jordan and came to Helam. And the Syrians set themselves in array against David and fought with him. And the Syrians fled before Israel. And David slew the men of 700 chariots of the Syrians and 40,000 horsemen and smote Shobach, the captain of their host, who died there. And when all the kings that were servants to Hadarezer saw that they were smitten before Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Syrians feared to help the children of Ammon anymore. <clears throat> Quite an astounding account. Excuse me, I've got a little tickle in my throat. <clears throat> but the part I'd like to pull out is in the 12th verse where Joab says to Abishai and the armies that are fighting with them, be of good courage and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. So a little context is helpful. Uh, every time that we look into the Bible. Don't just look in the Bible and take out of the Bible what you think it means. Find out why it was written, who it was written for, and what it meant then. And then you can apply safely the principles that you find in there to your own life without making damage to yourself or other people. So in context, we find here the king of Ammon was dead and David sends ambassadors to comfort the uh, Ammon's um, son, or excuse me, to comfort Ammon's son, yes, Hanan. And Hanan was misled by his princes. And those princes treat the messengers of David very poorly, or, or rather the people that Hanan sent out to meet David's men, treats the messengers of David very poorly and shamefully. Uh, so we read that what they have done was they shaved off half of David's warrior's beard. And the beard in Hebrew culture was a simple a symbol of manhood. It was akin to like a wedding ring. If you pulled on the man's beard, it was more than a wedding ring, but if you pulled on that man's beard, it was a shame in that society for you to do such things. That beard was sacred. It was the man's, you know, um, I'm a man. He had a beard. That's what it was like. They shave off the warrior's beard. It's like dishonoring the, him as a man, as a warrior. And then if that wasn't the, uh, the worst that happened, they went even a step farther. And they cut off the middle uh, of the clothes of David's servants to expose the butts of these men, which was a shame, their nakedness being exposed. Naturally, they go back to David and tell David what happened. And the Ammonites' actions did not make David too pleased, as you could imagine. If you were David and you were in charge of an army of men, how would you feel if your men were shamed? So the Ammonites, rightly dreading David's um, displeasure towards them, they send and hire some Syrians to join them so that they can fight against David because they realize they just stirred up a hornet's nest, so to speak. Joab and Abishai, which were David's war captains, they meet this Syrian host with the Ammonites at the city of Medeba to fight. And that's the setting that we're in. Now, <clears throat> the Syrians mixed with the Ammonites 
was a pretty incredible force. I think it said 20,000 Syrians and maybe Ammonites on top of it, or maybe it was the 20,000 altogether. I, I can't see uh, that right at the moment here. I'm kind of out of the way. But a, a large host of people, that's what was going on. And so here, they have all these standing up before them, in front of them, rather. So Joab, Abishai, the people and the armies of God against the Syrians and the Ammonites. That's where we're in for a setting. There was a Catholic lady, <clears throat> two Catholic ladies that wrote an article. Uh, and I, I'm not going to give you their names at the moment, but these two Catholic ladies wrote an article. I'd like to pull out a few things that they said. They said, our church, the Church of Jesus Christ, is fast becoming <clears throat> an institution devoid of men, a patriarchy devoid of patriarchs, true fathers. So what can be done? Men, it's your turn to step it up. This is your moment to take your rightful place as warriors in the battle. Women, we must let them fight this fight. I'm sorry, it wasn't. they weren't speaking particularly about the Church of Jesus Christ, but their church, their denomination. <clears throat> and this is what they're saying about them. No patriarchs, no fathers. Men, repent of the softness that enabled women to dominate in the church. Then gather your brothers, speak amongst yourselves, and decide what you must do. Your families are at risk. Women, we must repent of abandoning our true femininity for a spurious place in the so-called halls of power. Let us urge men in a spirited yet womanly way to take the lead as their God-given masculine nature demands. Let us acknowledge that it's time for us to step aside as our men take the helm. God gave men their masculine nature for a reason, to protect and provide, even to the point of being willing to fight. <clears throat> we women and society have bred it out of them, perhaps with their acquiescence, but it's time to repent and bring it back. So here's two ladies saying, men, step up and be men. We want you to be men. And if there's two ladies that feel that way, there's probably many more ladies than just those two that feel the same sentiment. And I have to say, I join in with these ladies and feel the same sentiment. This speaks to me as a man. It speaks to me and convicts me. Am I being the man that God wants me to be? So the idea here or the call that Joab gave to Abishai and all the armies of God is be of good courage. Be of good courage. So you might ask, well, where is this manly courage? How is manly courage gained? How do I get this? How can I join in the fight? There's three things that I want to look at. And I can't say that these, these three points, at least the, uh, the, the main points, things under it, uh, things I've developed, but these three main points I got from another book called The Church Omnipotent. And it's talking about the feminization of the church. And he said three things that are helpful to get that manhood back in, not, to, not only for ourselves, but into the church. One of them is initiation. The other one uh, is a battle, the great battle. Um, and then the third thing is brotherly love and uh, camaraderie. So there is, a, there, there is that initiation period. There's that struggle, that war, and then there's brotherly love and that camaraderie. That's how we can get that manhood uh, to, into ourselves, to the people that we love and that we influence around us, and ultimately back into the church of God. So I want to speak first in that point of initiation. How do, we, how do we get to that point of initiation where we can transition from boys to men? I remember reading a while back about Native Americans 
Uh, I don't remember what tribe it was, but there was one particular tribe, and it may be more than one. I, I think most of them had some kind of initiation into manhood, but this one specifically was that there was a, a young boy coming of age. He had, he had gone around with his father, learned how to hunt, learned how to you know, do things with the, with the men and, and walked around with the men, but now it was time for him to be a man himself. So before night, the uh, elders of that community would take this young boy out into the middle of the woods and would drop this young boy off and then leave. And that young boy was to stay out there by himself all night long. So some of the things that he learned had to come into practice for his survival. He had to contend with beasts that may be in the middle of the night, had to make fire to keep himself warm, shelter, all these kind of things. And if that boy made it throughout the night until the next morning without breaking down, he was now considered part of the men. The thing the boy didn't understand was that that boy thought he was alone all night, but his father was not too far off around the outsides, hiding in the dark, watching his young boy, willing to protect and help him if need be, but just watching. The boy didn't know that. So there was this initiation from being a boy to a man. You can look back in medieval times as well. There's initiation rites coming into knighthood. There were certain things that needed to be learned before one could become a knight. They had to learn discipline. They had to learn some menial things first and do those well. And they graduated into successive steps until they were had the opportunity to be knighted. There's a rite of passage. I know in the Jewish religion, there's the bar mitzvah. It's like coming into manhood. I don't know. The world's got its own ideas of what that might mean. But there's something, there's something that happens in us, probably in the period of our adolescence and teenage years where a shift starts to take place. And the thing is, if we don't know people that are biblical men, we don't have those role models, it's really difficult to live this life out. But there is a transition that you and I need to take as boys to become men. And there's two things that help us to get along in that place. And maybe we would do well as the church and as people to, again, reinstitute something of a rite of passage to help converts, new converts, people that have become Christians to then enter into manhood and to be those men that carry the weight of responsibility upon their shoulders, that carry the weight of God's work and of the expansion of his kingdom upon their hearts, upon their shoulders that are willing to stand up and that are willing to fight. There needs to be a rite of passage. We could probably do well to make up a rite of passage like that, but also there is biblical rites of passage, which I'm going to get to right after the break. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. So the two biblical things that we find, speaking about that initiation from being a boy to a man, so to speak, from being initiated into the church of Jesus Christ, it all begins with one thing, to be born again. 
The problem in our modern evangelical culture right now is that being born again almost seems effeminate for ladies. There's nothing manly about it. It's like this feel-good kind of experience. But when we look in the scriptures, it's radical. It's totally different. It's to be, it's to die and raise a new man, to be raised a new creature. Now, this, this isn't just for men alone. It's for women also. But I want you men that are listening to understand something. There is a manliness about the entrance into being a child of God, into being a soldier for Jesus Christ. And that is to be born again. Repentance separates the men from the boys. Unfortunately, in evangelical circles at large right now, repentance is not a big deal. You go up, you say a little prayer, and you hardly are any different than you were before you met Christ. However, the Bible speaks about repentance. A very manly uh, man, John the Baptist, he said, repent. And he said, you brood of vipers talking to the religious men. You think you know what you're supposed to do, but you're inside full of dead bones. If you're real, then repent and show works meat of repentance. Show us that you repented by your life. The first words Jesus said was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when you look at those people inside of the scriptures that repented, it's no small task. It's no effeminate experience. That repentance is that manly entrance or initiation into the church of God to be a part of his kingdom and to be a soldier for Jesus Christ. This is how you enlist. So repentance, turning your back on sin, that doesn't save you, by the way. There needs to be repentance and faith. And I've said that so many times, but repentance is one of the conditions to be born again. I must turn my back on sin and hate what God hates, not cherish it and love it a little bit, and then pull Jesus into my life also just to make things a little better. It's a complete reversal. I'm turning my back on sin and I'm turning toward God. He's my new master now. So repentance separates the men's from the boys. And in repentance, we face our sins against a holy God. I've committed crimes terrible crimes against God. I have sinned against him in his law and his holiness in his justice in his goodness. I have sinned against almighty God. And repentance sees that man's up and says, that's me. I did that. That's the verdict of God over my soul. And then I repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the sins that I've done. I hate them. I don't want to go back there. And then we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and he makes us new creatures. And then we enter into the war right then and there. But you may find that's the initiation period. We enter into the war, but now where do we go? I don't know how to fight this war. Oftentimes when people first get saved too, it's like a toddler trying to learn how to walk. They're very wobbly. They need first to drink in the word of God, to desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. You drink in God's word, get yourself filled up with his truths, and then God will speak to you and show you things that need to change inside of your life. Change the way you think, change the way you feel inside, change your direction in life. God's gonna do that if you give him the time. If you sit before him as the, the Lord of hosts, as the army captain, you sit before him and say, what are my orders? And now I need training. And you open up your heart to God by reading the Bible. You open up your heart to God in the place of prayer. You have entered the war. You have enlisted. Now it's off to boot camp. And what is boot camp? But seeking the experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
Because when we seek to be saved, we're dealing with the bad things that we've done. But when we are seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we are seeking God to cleanse our hearts from our uh, what we are at the core, from the problem in the beginning. And this is that power of God that rests on our soul that equips us to be the soldiers of the cross that God calls us to be. And at that point, when we're seeking God for a baptism with the Holy Ghost, we're facing ourselves. We're saying, now it's no longer about what I've done, Lord. It's about who I am. And here is who I am. I need you to burn out the chaff of carnality with unquenchable fire. I need you to fill me with your spirit. I need that baptism of the Holy Ghost. As Jesus said to his early disciples, tear ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from from on high. And Jesus spoke when he was with his disciples in the last supper. This isn't just for you, but it's for any that hear your word for until world without end. So that's you and I, as we read the Bible, we face ourselves and then God cleanses our heart from that fountain of sin within. And he, and he fills us with himself. He gives us all those, those, well, he gives us the fruits of the spirit and he gives us that manly courage to face the battle now, to not have to be facing necessarily the battle within anymore, but facing the battle without and extending the borders of Christ's kingdom. And Jesus said that you and I need to be equipped with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in order for us to reach the world with this gospel. It's his power, not our power. We can get saved and try and go forward and think, well, I'm really strong and I can do this. You'll find that you can't. You'll find that you are woefully lacking in power. But when we seek God for the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he fills us with his spirit, we find within a new power to live this life, a new power to challenge wickedness and sin that's around us. And now we are equipped for the war. We've gone through boot camp. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. We've been enlisted. We have been trained. We've been empowered. We'll never stop learning and growing, by the way. But we need these essentials. This is the initiation into this war. I told you then there's a second thing that we're going to be looking at as far as this, this uh, manhood in us is concerned and in the church at large. Then there's the great struggle. Uh, I had talked about this as far as the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the, the, the struggle or the war against the flesh, against that corrupted part of our nature from the fall. There is that war and we're told that there's an internal battle in which we must keep ourselves disciplined. Disciplined helps us focus on the things that matter. It doesn't save us, doesn't do anything for us, but it harnesses all the powers that God has given us. And we, we say, like Paul said, I keep back my body that I don't become a castaway. I tell myself what I'm going to do for the cause of Jesus Christ and not just float along and let myself slip. Some places in the scripture, it says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. And those are people that have turned their back completely on God and there's no hope. But I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest. In Ephesians 4.1, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. So we're keeping ourselves disciplined. We're keeping ourselves holy as we abide in the light and walk with Jesus Christ. It's not something that I'm doing out of just my own strength and power. It's me cooperating with the spirit of God and saying, this is important to me and I am going to walk with God. I'm going to abide with him. I'm going to discipline my life to follow after Jesus Christ. And if I need to push other things out that are weights against this, this run, this cause before me, then I'll do it. 
But it's not only just that, the internal battles and the things that we have to do for ourselves, but the great war without. And we know that the master of this great war is the devil himself. He's the God of this world, as the scriptures say. But we go back to Joab as he's addressing Abishai and the armies of God. He said to play the men for our people. So we look out in this world around us and we see the masses of lost and blinded and blinded people headed to their eternal death. We're playing the men for, for these people that are around us that are lost. We're playing the men for our children. We're playing the men for our children's children. We're playing the men for unborn generations. Our, our nation right now is in such a wicked turmoil that if the church of God doesn't rise up, if people don't get saved and if men don't become men, we're headed off to a very dark, dark time. And we're not just fatalists saying, well, it sounds like in the end things are going to get bad. Well, they will. But does that mean in the end has to be right now? Or can the church of God stand up? Can men stand up and be men of God through the power of the Holy Ghost? I believe they can. And we need to play the men for our people. We need to play the men for our nation. We need to play the men for our generation. And he says, play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. We need to play the men for our culture. Our culture is just degenerated and gotten so bad. We need to leaven the culture again with light, with life, with holiness, with grace, with power, with godliness. And the world around us is in such a mess. So there's the great war that you and I have to turn our attention to rather than just floating along with the current, but standing up. Is there no cause? Another man, uh, and I can't remember his name, Craig something, he wrote this, a man without a cause from God is often just an angry man who doesn't know where to direct his pent-up energy and aggression. A warrior with a cause from God directs that warlike energy for a cause greater than himself. Gentlemen, God created you with the heart of a warrior. Until there's something you're willing to die for, you can't truly live. You were created to fight for righteousness. So is there no cause? There is. It's the cause of God and the expansion of his kingdom in the hearts of the living. It's the crushing of evil in society that has lulled us to sleep. So we have that initiation in, we have that great struggle or the war, but then if we're going to make this work, it's going to have to be through brotherly love and camaraderie. It's Job that exhorted these people. He said that the, uh, at the front of the battle was against him before and behind. He chose all of the choice men of Israel and put them in array against the Assyrians and the rest of the people he delivered into the, land, the hand of Abishai, his brother, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, if the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Be of good courage. And, and our text coming in there. So we see the camaraderie or the brotherly love. When men link arms and fight for a noble cause, then we're on God's side. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And then another place in Hebrews, it says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need one another. No man is an island. We have to link together as men. Wicked people do not have to win and control us. We are not a, de a degenerate frat party. We could be a band of brothers at war with evil if we stood up and we, we went God's way. 
So we need to be accountable to one another. We're, we're picking one another up and we're saying, brother, don't slip, stand up. If we see him drooping, we encourage one another to keep pressing on. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. May God help us to be the men that he's called us to be. There's a great song that was penned called Rise Up, O Men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of Kings. Rise up, O men of God. The kingdom tarries long. Bring in the day of brotherhood and end the night of wrong. Rise up, O men of God. The church for you doth wait. Her strength unequal to her task. Rise up and make her great. Lift high the cross of Christ. Tread where his feet have trod. As brothers of the Son of Man, rise up, O men of God. And the Lord do that which seemeth good is how Joab ended. So if we don't do anything, what can we expect God to do? God is asking us to stand up and be men. And if we do that, what will God do in our generation? Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com introduce yourself to me. Set up a time. I'd love to meet with you and help you along in your journey to walk with God and to be a man. And I'm on that journey myself, by the way. I I want you to like and follow us on our Facebook uh, page, our YouTube, our Gab, social media accounts. You're going to find teaching and preaching there to help you in your journey. You could connect with other people that may help you as well. Tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. Tell them about our social media and link them up to it. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.